Ephesians chapter 3 is where we're going. Continuing with the series today, like we're made for more. And, uh, and uh, much of what I'm going to be doing today is actually reading through Ephesians chapter 3 and letting God unpack what he wants to unpack through his word this morning. How many love the Bible when we open the word of God? And I, have, I do not have the message on the screen. I want you to pull your own Bible. If it's a digital Bible, a good old paper Bible, or if you use both because you write on your stuff like I do, I, I highlight stuff on my this one, but I also like my digital Bible that I could take everywhere. So, so get your Bibles ready, Ephesians chapter 3. And, um, and um, so let me begin by reading the words of Paul. Paul is writing to the, book, uh, to the church in, in Ephesus. Um, uh, <clears throat> this letter that was later circulated to all the seven churches. If you read about the seven churches in Revelation um, uh, 2 and 3, uh, this letters ended up being circulated to all the, to all the churches. Now, he, he starts by saying, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to the which was not made known to the people in other, to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit of God, by God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and share us together in the promises of God. Now, so, so this uh, Ephesus... Let me, let me go back. When Christianity began, it started in Jerusalem. When Jesus spoke, when the initiation of the first church gathering was in Acts chapter 2, after they waited for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And, you, and, and a lot of what was happening originally in terms of witnessing and people hearing about the Messiah and, and, and converting to Christianity and, and, and discovering Jesus happened around Jerusalem and in Jewish domains. But who knows, but the Lord had prophesied many times, many years ago, that his promise, his gift, for, it was for all people. When the Holy Spirit was going to be poured out, it wasn't just going to be for the chosen ones in the Old Testament, which would be the Jewish nation. Well, it was that, that through, the, through Christ, that we become heirs together with of, of the promises of God, the fullness of the promises of God. And Paul is talking to, 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 to non-Jewish believers. See, when non-Jewish believers, people of, uh, that are Gentiles, you and me, that are not ethnically Jews, uh, were getting saved, at, at the beginning, uh, there were little fights and here and there people not really understanding what their place will be because you have Jewish believers that have gone in through the customs and they understand the story and they can connect the dots and then all these people that were known as the other people who don't know God who are all of a sudden they're, they're part of this thing and there's always confusion in the church it's like are they are second class believers and they actually treated the, some of them as second-class believers. And I do believe some of them also took that on. 
to themselves and never really felt like deserving. And here's Paul is encouraging them that God's been doing something. And even if you think you know something, there's a lot that he's doing right now after Christ. What used to be a secret, God is revealing himself. Um, even though it seems like a mystery, he's unpacking this, and there are no wars between us and God any longer, and now you are partakers. You know what Paul is trying to do? He's trying to build confidence, to build their confidence in who they are in Christ. He's also trying to build confidence in, in understanding your place. Because when you understand your place in Christ, your position in Christ, it really changes your whole life. It changes the way you walk. It changes the way you talk. It changes the way you live. A person that does not understand who they are can be influenced easily and can sometimes even think they are undeserving or feel like they are not... um, How do I put this? Um, I'm going to put it by, by a quote by Karl Marx who said... Take away the history of a people and they are easily persuaded. In other words, if you don't know your roots, if you don't know where your grounding is, then you're, you, could, you could be going a wrong direction. You could be walking without confidence, not realizing who you were. You could be missing on a whole lot because you don't know yourself. And that's how a lot of people, even governments that have been oppressive of people, one of the things they try to take away is having people not have any reference to to, to their history. And when they can change history, then they can influence the masses because they're easily persuaded because they don't know who they are. They don't know what their roots are. And so Paul is saying, our roots in God go so much deeper. And I want, to, I want you to know that you, since Christ came, he tore down every wall that ever existed between you and I, uh, between us and God. And it is not new. God has been thinking about this for a long time. That every promise he ever spoke Everything he ever said about people like Abraham and how he will bless those who bless him, cast those who cast him, all the different promises that you see in the Old Testament says we are joint heirs in Christ of all the promises of God. And now we can say that the promises of God are yes and amen by Christ Jesus. So he says, don't look down on yourself. You might be sitting here today and not feeling like a warrior, not feeling like a victor, not feeling like men. But I'm here to tell you that God has called you to something greater than you would ever even imagine. We are joint heirs. So the warriors are going, let me go keep on reading here because I'm going to end up. Regress, uh, digressing in many different places here. But uh, in verse, verse ten, I'm going to skip down to verse 10. Because Paul, I feel good because Paul does what I do. There's a preacher in Lincoln, Nebraska that tends to kind of go on rabbit trails before he comes back to say what he was thinking. And, and that's kind of what Paul goes into the next few verses. He starts building up and says, oh, let, me, let me tell you all about this, you know. But what, let me jump to verse 10 because he comes back and he says that his intent meaning God, his intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of Christ, of God, should be made known to the rulers, authorities, 
in the heavenly realms according to the eternal purpose that, uh, that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can I read that again? And I want you to just think about those words. God's intent was that, for, that now, through the church, the manifest wisdom of God be made known to the rulers and authority in the heavenly realms. He identifies who we want to know. Who, who, who needs to see this? It's not the guy that you don't like, that you want them to see that God is in you. He's saying there's an announcement that's being made in hell. There's an announcement that is being made to the wicked one, to the one who oppresses, to the one who brings sickness, to the one who brings infirmity, to the one who brings disease. He says, that through the church, let it be known the manifest wisdom of God. You know, it is so awesome if you can connect that dot with what Paul said in Romans. That God, Christ is building, is referencing that Christ is building his church. And even the gates of hell will not be able to penetrate against it. You see, as a people of God, when we are united in Christ, there is nothing that we cannot do. We are the hope of the world. And so Paul is lifting them up and saying, hey, think of yourself differently. Stop praying differently. Because we are the hope of, of the world. We are the hope of Lincoln. We are the hope of the United States. We are the hope of this generation. We are the hope because we possess in us the power of Christ. When you know who you are, you even start praying differently. You can listen to the content on the, uh, uh, of, of, uh, on the heart of someone's prayer, and you can tell if they are confident, if they know they are God. And the enemy would attack you. He would attack you to make you feel so little to make you feel so insignificant, to make you feel like you don't matter. You make you feel like it doesn't make a difference what you do. And as long as you stay in that position, he's fine. But the moment this giant begins to arise and realize who they are, even when there are challenges, even when there are trials, even when there is hurdles that come our way, you know who you are in Christ. When the church rises up and recognizes that, There is nothing that we cannot do. I am so amazed. I love the book of Acts, and I'm always, when I read through the book of Acts, I'm challenged over and over and over and over again. Because I try to put, the social, put it into social context. How few those people were, just by numbers. They weren't that many. There are very few. The truth of the followers of Christ. The odds that they had against them, not influential people at all in, in the society of the time. In fact, the moment they started announcing their message, they were faced with resistance and persecution. But in a very short period of time, they would turn the world upside down. Have you ever 
look at what's going on in the world and feel sometimes hopeless. Or you read all these stats that they send, you say, oh, Christianity is declining. People don't really care about church anymore. People, they don't. I think, what, what is going on here? I think the uh, enemy has been able to skillfully make believers forget who they are and who they belong to. And so we walk sometimes with a defeated mindset. I was having a, a conversation with someone. We were talking about things like in society that have changed, like even not being able to have prayer in schools and what that started. But you know, when, when persecution comes, we don't need to stop. We need to look at different things. So, well, they took prayer out of schools. But how many believers are adopting schools around the city and says, this school is mine. I'm going to be doing my walk. My, um, every, I'm going to be walking this seven times every day in prayer. Getting my walk out at the same time and tearing down strongholds. Praying for families. Praying for kids. I promise you, you adopt a school in Lincoln, Nebraska, and you make it your prayer. Don't go preach. Just go around the school and start praying for families. Yes. Do you know that there are kids that are going through that school that are coming through broken situations? There are families that are coming through that school that don't know, even know what's going. Marriages that are falling apart. Everything. What if God's people just begin to think, we're not fighting against flesh and blood. And sometimes even the government might be against us. But even if the government is against us, it doesn't matter because if God is for us, who can be against us? And start taking on that spiritual battle and the spiritual minded and recognizing our place in God. I believe we'll start seeing miracles taking place like never before. Because the Bible says that one waters, one plants, another waters, but God brings the increase. We, we live in a world where we expect instant results. I prayed for, 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 for that school and I saw nothing happen. I pray. You wait till you go, you keep being a prayer warrior and wait till you go to heaven. And the Lord shows you how many things happened because you were praying. Because yes. 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 we want the McDonald's kind of deal. <laughs> I want to go through the drive-thru, you know, and within, if, if it's two minutes late, you are all upset. I can't believe I'm not going to go come back here again. You can't get the orders right. We're so used to that fast mm. pace. Mm-hmm. But God sees the whole picture. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He sees the end from the beginning. And he says what he's called all of us to be is to be faithful. But I believe that begins to from that place of realizing who we are. So Paul is talking to this Gentile church that sort of feels like they're a second class believer. And he's saying, no, there is something bigger. You are bigger than you actually think you are. And it's in all this, in verse 14, he comes back. And I'm going to come back again. And you see what he was actually in. And he makes a prayer. He prays. And I know this was the, the intent of this chapter. Because he starts chapter verse 14 by for this reason. You see, he started with for this reason. At verse 1. For this reason, I pour. And then he goes, let me, let me, let me, let me. So I'm not the only one. You're welcome. 
and then he comes back and says, for this reason, he starts praying for the church. He says, for this reason, I know before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derive its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in you, in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide, how long, how deep is the love of God. It's so good. (laughs) It's still ringing in my head. So good. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever Amen. Amen Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask think or even imagine this is according to the power that is at work within us in this prayer he shows the heart of what he's asking and he says that the Christ may dwell in you he's obviously not talking about salvation because he's talking to believers they're already believers but I believe he's talking of that Holy Spirit presence that permeates our hearts of the intensification of the awareness of his presence this personal revival if you would because this is made Christ dwell in you through faith so he's putting a connection as right now there's something we need to reach out to I believe sometimes the enemy wins because he wins in the mind. If things are not going very, very well, it's tiring. Maybe just physical obstacles that are, that, that, that are just unavoidable sometimes. Distractions of life. Things that uh, sometimes you don't even have control with. We start giving in space in our mind. And sometimes even sin that we allow to grow in our mind and so we start feeling that absence of God even though he or still has a dwelling in us and so we start we, we kind of default into these statements that we tell ourselves that you know I, I not, not for me you know I, I, I'm, I'm not qualified I'm, I'm not good enough I, I, you know I maybe I mess up a lot of times I, 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 don't, I, I, I don't come from the right family I, I am a, and we come up with all these disqualifying things that, that we maybe sometimes don't say it out loud. Some people have the audacity to do so. But we tell ourselves, uh, you know, I'm, I'm too old for that. I'm too young. I'm not yet ready yet. Or I'm not talented enough. They're better than I am. And we start accepting these thoughts as the norm in our lives. And he says, no, 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 no. That the, uh, the, I am praying that the Spirit of God, uh, that, the, that the, the Christ will dwell in you through faith. That there would be a revival that would begin to happen within your heart. Yeah. 
and within your life and that you would allow the manifest presence to come in you. Sometimes you have to contend for it. Sometimes you have to fight for it. Sometimes you're feeling heavy because the devil knows that you're about to get your breakthrough and so it gets harder and harder and you decide, okay, it's not going to go anywhere and God says, press on, press on, press on because your moment of breakthrough is about to happen. You know what it takes me? So open the, go, go back to the psalm. Psalm 91. Yes. Psalm 91. That Christ may dwell in you. I believe God wants to bring a revival in our, in, in our land. God's gonna do, there's going to be a move of the Holy Spirit in Lincoln, Nebraska. We will be looking back and saying, oh my goodness. When we're saying like, may, may he do uh, him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. How many just imagine seeing people coming to Christ, families being made whole, people having a revelation of Jesus in their lives, people with addictions being broken, addiction being broken from people and being set free by Jesus Christ. I have seen it happen in my life. I know he did it in the past. He continues to do it and he will do it again in large numbers. He says, in my name they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Yes, yes. In my name they shall cast out demons. In my name they will rebuke the enemy off of people's lives. The spirit of oppression will lift out of people. That's what happens when Christ dwells, when that spirit of revival comes. But I believe that revival comes when God begins to revive his people individually. When I'm getting my personal revival inside of me, you're getting your personal revival inside of you. When we're coming together together, we don't need someone to cheer us up to worship God. We are already eager to join with God's people and, and, and let the praise burst into heaven and let the presence of God flow through the sanctuary because he dwells in the midst of the praises of the people and he says that he's looking on earth to see such that would worship him in spirit and in truth. If we come as those people, I believe we will see revival. It says that Christ may dwell in you. See, there's a connection here and that goes with the heaviness sometimes that we feel. Psalm 91, it says that he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I think I'm going to read the whole thing. I wasn't planning. I think I'm going to read the whole thing because someone needs to hear this today. I will say of the Lord that he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence and that doesn't go well with my accent and he shall cover you with his feather and under your, his wings you shall take refuge his truth shall be your shield and your buckler and you shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that may waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you see, shall you look, and see the reward of the wicked. Because then you have made, here's the word, well again, because you have made the Lord who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place. Yes. 
No evil shall befall, befall you. So Christ Paul is saying, I am praying that through faith that Christ may dwell in you. Look at what it says. When you let the Lord, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. This is the promise of those who made the Lord their dwelling place. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near you, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In him, in, in their hand, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lions and the cobra and the young lions and serpents. You shall tramp, trample over them. Because he has set his love upon me. So this is, the psalmist turns around. And the Lord is speaking now. But because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him and I will set him up on high. Because he, has, he knows my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. And I will deliver him and honor him. With long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. You know what this is telling me? That the most valuable thing that you and I can ever have is the presence of God. It's not even knowledge or wisdom and being the smartest or the baddest at everything is being able to find that secret place of the Most High. Because that's when we allow what Paul is saying, that Christ, you know, the Christ is the Holy Spirit, is the sent one, is the promised one, the promise of the Holy Spirit, that Christ will dwell in you richly. We start contending for his presence. And I tell you, it doesn't start on Sunday morning. On Sunday morning, we can be inspired maybe to start it. We can be inspired. It's like we're bringing our fires together. Your log and my log, I'm putting it on having a good old Holy Ghost fire. But the thing we can be asking that will change everything that will turn lives around. Where well, there are atmosphere of miracles, an atmosphere, I believe that, I, I, I'm praying for this all the time. I met enough people that are dealing with addictions. Two weeks ago, I was talking to a gentleman that was telling me, Lord, I've been dealing with addictions for so long. I'm like, God, even if you would just give me any sickness, I'll take it just to feel free from the, for this addiction. And I thought with him, just give him a big hand, and I prayed. But I know the Lord can deliver from addiction. There are a lot of good people that help out there. And many, many people, I don't know how many, you have someone in your family that's dealt with addictions. And it's a hard thing to, to break. They want to be free, and they can be free. But I believe that in an atmosphere where the presence of the Lord is, where there's an intensity of the presence of God, people can get miracles and breakthrough in this area. Can I get an amen? And we can start believing God for that. And the most important thing we can do as our church in Lincoln, Nebraska, I'm going to tell you, 
the most important. This is why we make prayer so important here. And I know we haven't even gotten close because I, I have experienced more that I know there is more. Yes. Amen. Some of you have experienced more and you know there is more. And we start contending for it as a church. And say nothing else matters but to be in his presence. If we came on a Sunday and we didn't even hear a long message, some of you, that'd be a nice break. (laughs) But we touch the heart of God. Sometimes that's all you need. In fact, let me take that back. That's all we need all the time. You might be going through a hard time even at work. And sometimes you need to walk away and go be with Jesus. Trying to figure, don't even try to figure it out. Just go in and sit at his presence. Don't even pray for the thing you're going through. Just worship and allow his presence that Christ may dwell in you through faith. Because when he comes, your perspective changes. When his presence abides, your perspective changes. Sometimes he doesn't even take you out of the situation that you find yourself in. He just gives you a new set of eyes to look at it, and you're no longer intimidated by any mountain that comes your way. That's why he says that he, I will be with him in the time of evil, because evil will come. I'll see him through trouble. Trouble will come. But trouble will not take you down because you have a good perspective. Amen. Would you stand with me? How many received something from Christ this morning? I'm going to stop there. And there's more next week. But let's, let's, let, let, let's uh, you know, I, worship him. Come on, come on forward here. I want us to give the Lord an opportunity right now to just pause before we go home. And I'm even going to lay hands on anybody. But let's pray in unity today and just ask for a manifest presence. You know what I'm going to ask you to do? I know they're up here, but I'm going to call you to the altar. I'm going to call you all to the altar. I'm going to sing a worship song. And this, for a moment, forget, if you have a roast going on at home, just forget about that. You said it at a good time. And let's just take a moment and ask. And then when we ask for his presence, it's, not a, it's, it's, by, it's by worship. Come on forward, come on forward. There's something about the altar. It's always... There's something that God does at the altar from the very beginning of time. When worship became public, the altar, Cain and Abel, it's the altar that made the difference. One brought to the Lord at the altar everything. Held nothing back. Give the Lord their best. The other brother said, yeah, yeah, I got, I got some things to do. <laughs> and so, and then they get jealous. There's a lot of space here, guys. It's all right. It's all. And then we are blessed when we bring you to the altar. Today we are bringing you to the altar. Not our money, not our gifts. What the Lord says, a living sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of praise. I can do it, you can do it, but I can never do it for you. See, we, worship is what we give to the Lord. It's something He's given us that we can give to you. Unless I know we don't have a lot of time. And that doesn't even matter as much as our hearts. Say, God, today we bring to you, to the altar, 
a sacrifice of praise. Amen.